you have fully vacant units on your property that you have mothballed until next semester? If you do, I bet you've thought to yourself, we should list those on Airbnb for game day weekends or for parents visiting their kids. Maybe you're in a college town like Austin or Raleigh or Tallahassee and your city has large festivals and not enough hotel rooms. You know you could lease those units on a nightly or a weekly basis. Providing short-term rentals on platforms like Airbnb can provide a great source of ancillary income, but it takes some, uh, all right, excuse me, it takes a lot of organization. There's the additional setup of providing linens and coffee makers and all the little things that a short-term tenant will expect. Then there's the regulatory and tax issues that could require additional work. More importantly, there's the time and labor to market on all the multiple platforms, handle the reservations and cancellations, the cleaning, and then there's the bookkeeping. All of this turns into a big distraction from the main job at hand, which is operating and leasing your property. That's where Vector Travel comes in. These guys know the short-term rental industry and they know how to relieve all of those burdens from the property manager. And best of all, they've become experts in how to do that with student properties. They understand the complexity of mixing travelers with college students. They know it so well, they can quickly identify if a student property is not going to be a good fit for their program. So if you have vacant units, reach out to Vector Travel and have them do a free, no obligation assessment to determine if enrolling your vacant units in their program will be beneficial. Go to VectorStays.com forward slash SHI. Fill out a quick form to receive more information. You will also get the first month service fee waived by going to that specific landing page. Again, that's VectorStays.com forward slash SHI. Welcome to the Student Housing Insight Podcast, where we are putting you in touch with the people who bring student housing to life. I'm your host, Wesley Dees, and joining me today is our wonderful co-host, Greta Dare. Hi. How are you doing? I am great. How are you? Good. How's your summer been? Eventful. (laughs) (laughs) Well... We, uh, you and I did get to see each other, even though I've been, you know, in the hospital and, you know, dealing with all this COVID crap all summer. Um, we did get to see each other in Interface before I got sick in Austin. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad you escaped without, without getting, uh, without getting COVID, but. Oh, my escapes with my life. Yes. Yes. Me too. I do always love telling people that I'm like, yeah, this is when you know how busy I am when Wes lives 45 minutes South of me. And I saw him only at interface. Uh, so there's that. <laughs> yeah, That's, um, yeah. sad and pathetic and I'm awful and I realize it. <laughs> well, and, and what's really kind of strange is got to the airport and or not even got to the airport, but, but getting off the airplane when I got to Austin, you know, there are four or five other student housing folks that were on that same flight because it was a direct flight. And, you know, we didn't even see each other at the airport, didn't even notice each other, but obviously we noticed each other there. And it's like, oh, when's the last time we've seen each other? Oh, we didn't see each other since the last interface conference. <laughs> and we literally live in the same town. So, uh, yeah, 
it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, and then there's <laughs> always those people that you uh, you didn't know lived in your town, and you meet them at a conference, and it's like, oh, well, I'm from Charlotte too. And <laughs> so, anyway, but yeah, it was it was in July this year, as opposed to as we've discussed, it didn't happen in April, just because we wanted to give. Uh, I say we. Uh, France Media wanted to obviously give some time for uh, for things to burn out with with the last wave, and uh, I don't think any of us really were banking on that there was going to be another wave this summer. But but here it is. But no, it was a I, for for everything going on, you know, in in the world today, and the fact that it was in July, they had almost twelve hundred attendees there, which I thought was fantastic. It was an amazing conference. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of it was folks just wanting to to get back and and you know see their clients, see their, and also this is a you know let's be honest, this is a big deal pipeline conference where everybody comes together and talks about new developments that they're wanting to do, and and they're talking to lenders and to to uh, potential equity partners, and so there's a lot of that that's that's going on, and um, and it's a good time to and a good venue to to have those networking discussions, but it was, it's, it's so close to, you know, with it being the first week of July, it's so close to turn. I think I was afraid that there would be a lot of people, especially from with the operating companies that would, would just be like, you know what, we've got too much going on. We'll, we'll skip out. But I saw a great representation from, from all of those folks. So yeah, from that standpoint, I think interface and France media and student housing business magazine knocked it out of the park again. 100% 100% agree. Well, hey, we always take advantage of of these of these type of conference, conferences because it's one of the few times that we can actually we've got everybody under one roof and we can sit down and and you know from from our standpoint as student housing insight be able to to ask them some questions and and get them to discuss things with each other. So you know, for the past 3 4 years, I guess, excluding 2020, um, I've taken my my microphone and recorder, and <laughs> we've we've done um, we've you know done a podcast, and those have always been great. Have always been highly listened to. But I wanted to do something this year where you know after a lot of reflection from 2020 and in the past 18 months, you know what is it that 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 the folks that are leading these these top student housing companies. You know what is it that they're thinking about as how all these things that have happened over the eighteen months, past eighteen months, how it, it impacts everything, and specifically with our audience, our audience is mostly site level, regional level uh, employees, and you know I think there's a lot of I put myself in in their shoes and kind of thinking, okay, what kind of opportunities are going to be out there? you know, specifically over the next five years. Right. And so that was, um, that was on my, on my mind. And I said, you know, let's, let's get together some of the top CEOs and, and let's just ask him those questions. And we got, I think we had a fantastic panel. Um, I loved this panel and I honestly, I loved this recording. I loved the conversation. I loved the feedback. I really, this was one of my favorite ones without a doubt. Yeah, I, I thought it was. I thought it was great. We've got we had Alex O'Brien with with Cardinal Group, and then we also had Donna Price from the Price Company, based out of Raleigh. And 
you know, I also wanted to get kind of that, you know, you and I both have this development background as well. And I really wanted to, to have someone from the development end that that's also actively managing their properties be involved with that as well. And, and so we had Lauren King from Trinitas, which is one of your previous employers as well. And, uh, and so it was, uh, yeah, it was just, it was was fantastic perspectives and, you know, looking forward to, to playing this for everybody. I know we've got some takeaways that we want to do in the outro, but is there anything you kind of want to prom everybody to, to pay attention to? Ooh, um, I think that the main ones, I mean, there, there were, there's some really, really great, really great takeaways from this, this whole conversation. The, the three ones that I'm, I'm most excited about were, and it was funny because there were from one from each of them. And Donna brought up the great resignation that is going on right now. And you know that I'm very passionate about that. It's something that we discussed on my panel or no, (laughs) we were going to discuss on my panel. I forgot. Um, And it was, you know, specifically addressing salaries and just everything that needs to be done from the perspective of keeping people and not losing people. And I loved that conversation. I love that it got brought up. And then Lauren, he, I think it was, it was kind of building off of that. He made a statement that my team members have actually kind of continued to bring up. And it was something that we've talked about in different conversation and his exact words were, um, paying attention to the company that you hitch your wagon to. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's something that it's just going to keep resonating with a lot of us. And to just, to keep those types of things in mind is who is that company? And, you know, he, he kind of talked that over with, um, Alex because, you know, they have kind of gone back and forth with different team members. And that is something that's, (laughs) you know, we've all laughed about for the last like eight years. And then Alex had brought up the value of working on site and that, you know, there is this, there's this competition, not just this competition between, or kind of this feeling between leasing and maintenance, but then also that working on site is such a huge deal and it needs to be recognized and not always to be looked at as, well, you know, I need to get off site. I need to get off site. And the the purpose of this job is to get off site. And it's like being on site yeah. is such an incredible thing. And I loved that he said that. I loved all three of the, these people and the value that they brought and the perspectives that they brought and so many of the things that they said. So those were the big ones. I look forward to discussing those and obviously your takeaways, but that's just to prime everybody and be prepared because there is some great conversation here that I'm excited for everybody to hear about. Yeah. So I think we, you know, we've done the site level to C-suite, which we started. Uh, I think that was actually the first one that I ever recorded. at. It was. And um, now we've gone to, you know, doing that remotely because we were, we were forced to, but this one is called From the Top, and I think we're probably going to start doing this every year, either at Interface or uh, one of the other conferences, because having these perspectives from these CEOs, I think, is is huge because, you know, a lot of times they're talking to their own employees about, hey, this is where we see things going with the company and maybe even with the industry. But this is kind of a real chance to, to hear from three folks who have have certainly got their pulse on the industry 
and you know letting our audience know hey this is this is what what we're seeing this is you know how we're planning on reacting to it and how they're preparing for it and so i think this is just this is fantastic not just for the audience members who are employees at the site level and regional level but also for the vendors and we talk about you know the service providers in the last question and if you're listening to this to this podcast and and that's the side of the of the industry that you're on, make sure that you pay attention to that because there's some, there's some real good gold nuggets in there, especially that, that Alex mentions that you should pay attention to. Well, Hey, with that being said, let's go ahead and cut to the interview. Well, Alex, Donna, Lauren, Thanks so much for taking some time out today from the Interface Conference to, to talk to the Student Housing Insight audience. You guys within this industry are, are certainly names and, and your company names are, are, are ones that are very well known within the industry and, and really looking forward to, to getting some insight from, from you guys. You know, our audience within Student Housing Insight is primarily the, the uh, on-site players within our industry, the guys that are that are in the ditches and trenches and and getting things done. And one of the things that I set out when when I started this podcast was to create some content that really kind of showed the other side of the business, the finance, the investing, and showing them what's on the other side of being on site and and in those positions. And you know, there's only a few times of the year that that we get to be under the same roof uh, together, as far as the as far as the key leaders and and the executives within this within this industry. Interface is one of them, and we haven't had this conference in two years, so it's great to be back and and see everybody's face. We've got a small crowd here uh, that's with us live as where we are recording this, and it's it's great to to see everybody. And you know, looking forward to to the remaining days in this conference and and some of the relationships that, that quite honestly, I think I've kind of forgotten about <laughs> over the past two years with not being able to see everybody. So uh, let me let me let me ask you guys this, since we're on the subject of of the conference, how many of you guys have ever? brought like a site level or regional level manager to this specific conference. Is that something you guys do or have ever, I'm getting, I'm getting no's. For <laughs> yeah. I've, I've done, I'm, I've certainly seen you guys bring, bring crowds to, to this one. You know, this is one I would suggest to the audience. If, you know, if you're looking at, at expanding your career beyond the on-site level, make it a goal to get to this conference. I don't think it's, you know, it's certainly not the cheapest and not every property is going to be able to, to afford it, but it is, it is certainly one that if it's your goal to grow within this industry, I think that, you know, this is one that you've got to, you got to put on your calendar to, to get to. They're not going to get here if, it, if we continue to have it in July, we're going to have to have it. That's right. <laughs> in April, but, but anyway, real quick, obviously I've, I've inter- introduced you guys, but if you'll go through and give a little bit of information on your company and um, what you guys have been involved with uh, in the student housing industry. Alex, we'll start with you. Sure, thanks. I'm Alex O'Brien, the CEO of uh, Cardinal Group based in Denver, Colorado and operations all over the U.S. Really set out 15 years ago to uh, come into the student housing industry with a, a focus on creating a place that was great to work. And um, that's been kind of our true north from the beginning and um, something that's 
really helped us grow and helped us achieve our goals. Um, so at this point, we're north of about 90,000 beds. We work in a lot of different sectors from management, investment, construction, marketing. So it's been a lot of fun, and, and I'm really blessed to, to lead just an amazing team. Uh, the Cardinal Culture has just attracted so many amazing people, um, both on-site at the regional level, um, at the senior operations level. So, yeah, thanks for having me here today. I know this must have been a committee of one to name uh, top CEOs, so I don't, uh, <laughs> I, you know, thank you for voting me that way, Wes. I appreciate it. Donna? Well, <clears throat> Price Company's been around since uh, 1987, and um, uh, probably the first half of the company's uh, life, we were doing uh, small investments. And um, it was probably in the late 90s that we got involved in student housing. We're currently up slightly north of 35,000 beds. We have a footprint of 24 states. One of the biggest problems we've had um, this year is holding on to property. I mean, with the cap rates compressing, our partners you know, are seeing they want to monetize their gains. And uh, we find that to be incredibly difficult for, for site staff. It's almost like you're working yourself out of a job. Um, yeah. But the bottom line is, is that the next two years, you know, our industry is going to see incredible growth. I'm looking forward to talking about it. Lauren? Wes, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Lauren King. I'm the CEO of Trinitas Ventures. Uh, our mission is creating exceptional real estate. And since 2002, uh, we've been focused on developing best-in-nation, best-in-class uh, student housing. A little over two years ago, uh, we uh, moved into a core adjacency and are also now developing mixed, uh, university-centric student housing-anchored mixed-use development uh, with our flagship project in that area right now uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, which should close this fall, and, uh, adjacent to our existing student housing project called the Deacon that's been extraordinarily successful in that market. Um, so we invest, develop, build, and manage um, student housing um, as, our, as our core. And currently, uh, we're aimed at uh, developing about $350 million, about four starts uh, this fall with the expectation to continue to grow our development volume uh, in the years to come. Awesome. Well, so, so let's kind of get back a little bit to, to what Donna was talking about. And you know, the past five years, and I really put that, you know, between 2015 and 2020, obviously we saw, you know, a huge slowdown in, in 2020, you know, when it did come to, to transactions. But I want to kind of get, you know, to, to look at the next five years and, and what that's going to look like as far as growth. And bringing that back to the to the on-site employees, you know, do, do you think – because a lot of times, well, I know Adam was on a, on a recent webinar that we did from the price company, and we talked a little bit about, you know, when Adam and I were coming through this, like, we were getting advanced very quickly <laughs> when, it came to, when it came to going through on-site positions and, and ultimately into, into leadership positions. And, you know, thank goodness for, for patient folks like, like Donna that, that were able to, uh, to put up with us, you know, just learning the ropes, you know, authoring what those ropes were even made out of when, when um, you know, we were diving into this 20 years ago. But, you know, I, I kind of look at, at what happened in 2020 and, and focusing on what's, you know, the outlook for the next five years and what kind of opportunity that's going to create or maybe not create. Um, that we've seen in the past for for on-site employees. So 
I don't know who who wants to take a stab at that first, but well, um, first of all, you know those the, the past twenty years we've all been learning. You know, so we were all learning together, and I think that's what makes student housing so exciting is that continues to evolve, and we're continuing at this pandemic accelerated that evolution, uh, and we're going to see lots of paradigm shifts that you know we right now probably don't even uh, recognize. But I look at it, and I, I, I think you know that there's some really good things that are that are that are happening right now. Um, and one of it, you hear a lot of people talk about this difficulty in finding you know staff. But I think that that's a good thing. Um, we actually have not been affected by that at this point. But um, if we did not make some changes, we probably would be. But if you look at it, you know, we we really have had a K. You know, we talk a lot about this K economy. And if you look at your companies. There's probably a median point at which, you know, up, up this point and above, your folks are doing incredibly great. But, but when but there's medium and down, they haven't necessarily had a lot of, um, of income growth. In fact, if you take out for inflation, a lot of site folks haven't seen really any increases at all. So I think what uh, the pandemic did is, and there's a, there's a, um, a, a, a quote, Forbes has, has um, uh, call this the great resignation. You know, mm-hmm. we global recession. They're calling this the great resignation. And all these people are resigning. And I think what it does is it, it gives, you know, people are thinking a lot more about all of this. And what it's going to do is it, it's, it's upon us to, when I hear people say, I can't find anybody, I'm thinking, well, what are you paying them? And what are their, under what conditions are they working? And we're all going to have to improve all that. And we're yeah. going to have to figure out how we get our partners to you know, agree to do that. And I think that what that will do, though, is we will probably reduce the amount of staff that we have, but that they're going to be better educated, um, uh, have more skill sets, and they're going to be paid more. I've got other ideas, but I'll let these guys throw in. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, th- I think that's great, Donna. And um, it almost feels like the industry is going from sophomore to junior year, uh, you know, to use collegiate terms, but there's just a major maturation that's happening across the industry. And I think we're going to continue to see that. And I think it's going to provide a ton of opportunity. I think Donna hit it right on the, the head with like upskilling, like a, a focus on L and D, like just the whole industry is coming from this, you know, as, as Wes said, this kind of like battlefield promotion, like, Hey, you're young. You want to be the manager? It's like, sure, I'll be the manager. It's like, that's just changing. And I think the exciting thing is we've, we're going into the maturation of our industry, which is going to focus on skill development, hopefully transferable skills that our on-site teams can take with them to other jobs um, that we're going to focus on, uh, you know, the advancements in technology, which are going to provide a lot of efficiency and get rid of a lot of the bullshit work that we do, but also almost increase engagement and enjoyment of the job. So, you know, with the growth of our sector, I think the thing to focus on is the maturation um, that usually occurs in sectors with growth. And that should benefit our on-site teams. And to Donna's point, it's going to be disproportionate in terms of like how that happens. But overall, I think it's going to be a, a really big positive for our industry and our industry's ability to attract talent and to say, we're not offering you a job, we're offering you a career. And, and in, a, in a lot of ways, property management has always been a temporary job. And I think we can start to get away from that and really show people there's careers all over this industry that, that pay great, that are challenging, that, that are useful skills. Um, and, and I think it's a, a lot of really um, exciting things to come in the next five years. Lauren? Yeah, I would echo a lot of the sentiment. And if I'm thinking in terms of advice that I could give to you know, on-site staff in terms of you know, uh, 
um, their career advancement and the opportunity. It's make sure you essentially hit your wagon, uh, you know, to the right company. And I don't think it's uh, all companies are not created equal. I think there are some um, that are significantly more focused on um, on driving a healthy culture and on the leadership and development uh, that Alex mentioned. And you know, I'll brag on Alex for a second. I I know that his firm is highly focused on employee engagement and driving culture because I hear about it from you know some Trinitas alum. <laughs> That's a whole nother. You're not supposed to talk to those people anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a little bit of a sore spot, but no, it's um, I and I know we're at Trinitas are extremely focused on it, and so all companies are not created equal, and so uh, look for that and look for a company that's growing because there's always going to be more opportunity in a company that's growing and that has momentum and look for a company that cares about its people that is really investing uh, in their people and i think a lot of that was seen you know during uh 2020 you know the companies i think uh the, the challenges of covid really separated um uh, uh firms in terms of how they approach the problem solving uh when their folks on the front lines and our site staff were they were they were on the front lines. They couldn't go remote. Yeah. Right. And that, that put us um, folks in a leadership position, you know, back safe in the corporate office and in a really tough position. Yeah. And that's where, you know, that, that caring mentality, uh, I think really, you know, shined or didn't shine. Yeah. Do you, do you see, cause you, you work primarily in the development space and, you know, and that was my background. You know, I worked for a small merchant developer and, you know, we had one or two projects a year and, you know, you focused on that. I got to see everything from cradle to grave. And that, that exposed me to a lot and gave me, it gave me a perspective that I think a lot of the folks that were coming up on the operation side along the same time that I was, that they didn't get that. And I've always been just humbled by that experience of being able to, to do that. I'm wondering with, you know, as you're looking into the next five years and projects that are in your pipeline, do you see that? availability, you know, folks that are, are currently on site that can make that transition over onto the development side if they choose to stay in in student housing with you guys? It's a great question. We love it when um, we have folks that can make a cross-functional, uh, you know, cross-team move. And it has happened occasionally, though it, I, you know, being honest, it hasn't happened. Uh, it doesn't happen often. And it would need to be, it need to be very intentionally planned. And that's yeah. where we are working on training our supervisors better at having those those career oriented conversations with their team, so they can facilitate those kind of opportunities. It certainly yeah. hasn't happened often, but we would love we love it when we see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me, Let me go ahead, Donna. No, I'll, I'll add in after you. Well, I was just going to say um, we've had some some good luck with that, um, and <clears throat> you do need to be able. You know, to, to have the folks be able to figure out that their where their career growth is going to come, and also, um, you know, the the development and new business jobs. Those are all sort of plum assignments. People like those, or at least they think they're going to like them. <laughs> so, um, you know, we we um, uh, and I, I know you guys do concentrate on this too. You know, uh, really concentrate on organic growth. And so, people have said a lot of times, "What is it you think is the magic?" that, you know, you, that none of your people ever leave and your people seem happy. And so I spent a lot of time trying to figure that out, you know. Um, and I think the end, at the end of the day, it was the fact that, that our folks 
It's the organic growth. And so basically it wasn't that necessarily anything we did after the fact is that we probably hired, you know, most of our folks um, started working with us when they were interns. And, um, and in fact, our new business development group, which is sort of, I guess, sort of the plum assignments, um, only a couple of those people were not organically grown. And, um, you know, and I think that they're the best in the industry and we continually get, you know, um, uh, compliments uh, from our, our um, institutional partners about how good they are. So I know that, you know, that, that, that they're strong. But, but that is important that you're able, they're able to see that they can move off a site if they want to. Sometimes people move off site and decide they want to go back, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think we need to help our on-site teams remember that it's, it's great to be on-site. I think sometimes we, we make it this like, well, once you get to HQ or once you get to corporate, and then it almost creates this divide of like HQs above, right? Like, well, we had to work during the pandemic. Like, you know, you guys got to go back and it was safe. And, it, you know, it was kind of this us versus them. And I think that's happened in our industry forever. It was leasing versus maintenance, and then it's corporate versus on-site. But I think good cultures have to really work to break down those divides, you know, have to work at how you bring people together. And I think one of the ways you can bring people together is one focus on transferable skills and that the skills that we're training and helping develop our on-site teams are not just applicable if you want to get into development, they're applicable to get into a bunch of careers. You know, I mean, you're literally in customer experience and customer service every single day on the most important decision someone makes, which is their housing. <laughs> so it's like, that's super important. You're managing small teams. You're, you're actually dealing with the physical real estate and so much that you can learn from that. So, you know, I spent a lot of, of my time, uh, my personal time, which is not a, a lot with um, transitioning veterans. So this is like something near and dear to my heart, which is how do you help someone take all of their experience and apply it to future career opportunities? And as an industry, we have to do a much better job than that. We can't make people believe that because you are a community manager, the only job you have left in your career is to be a regional. There's so much you can do with that experience of leading teams. Um, and, and I think that's what we have to do a better job of and stop creating this Here's corporate and then on-site. And the only goal of on-site is to someday get off-site. It's like, no, like on-site is amazing. It's like you're, you're in the field leading a small team of people directly touching the residents. Like we need to celebrate that and remind them that these skills and this experience is super valuable for your future uh, career opportunities and not this, like it's a prison sentence. Like you're just doing time until you get to corporate. It's like we... That is the, just the death sentence of our industry. We have to we yeah. have to stop that that like dialogue around that. I, I talk to people every day that's been in this industry for you know multiple years, and once someone's at a regional level or, or above, I guess that's the best way of, of describing it. I haven't met a one that has not said, yeah, "Man, I wish I could just go back on site." <laughs> it was right. Not that it was easier. It was just. They were able to put things, you know, into 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 buckets that allowed them to make a further impact. Is the way is the way I kind of took it. And um, well, we yeah. have to pay them. I mean, that 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 really says a lot. I mean, we can say we want it to be fun to be on site, but we have to pay those folks that are on site yeah. comparable kinds of dollars. And we and yeah. we, we do that. And and you're right. I mean, the the, the, the regional uh, has to travel a lot more if the regional's not making a lot more money then you could say, why don't I just stay on site? But I think that's something that you have to, um, you know, one of the things we talk about all the time in our executive team is basically 
the, the execution of the property management, that, that's the product that we create. I mean, no, you know, we also develop and we, not as much as you do, but we develop more now than we ever did. And we acquire and we manage. But nobody really is going to call the price company to be a developer. They're not going to call us probably to, um, you know, we want you to go out and find and acquire. They're really hiring us because we can execute on the property management. Yeah. We can develop a business plan and execute to it. So what we're always saying is that those folks on the site, that's the, that's, that, that is what we do. Yeah. And so everybody else is in a position to support them. And um, uh, our executive team probably hears that from me so much that I think sometimes it's Sort of yeah, it. yeah. I don't like it, but it's it's the reality for all of us, actually. Yeah, I think I think that's a good kind of um, transition now to to start talking about my next question that I had, which is which is on the leasing part because those site employees, you know, a, a lot of what they do is is living and dying on on what's happening from a leasing perspective, and, and it's not just the site employees. You know, our contracts with with our lenders and investors, <laughs> you know, it, it, it all comes down to, to what's happening from a leasing standpoint. And, you know, I think the industry weathered things very well. I've been very, you know, I was optimistic just because, you know, I went through the whole, you know, 2008 recession and, and saw this industry weather that very well. And so I think all of us, you know, on those phone calls last March and April, you know, telling ourselves, we're going to get through this. Like, this is, you know, uh, but I think we all went home <laughs> thinking, okay, are we going to get through this? But I think we did. But I wanted to ask you guys, as far as it goes with, with leasing and what you've learned over the past year, is there anything that you and your teams are, are talking about as far as changes that, that are going to be made, either they were made during the pandemic or, you know, maybe maybe you've kind of inched towards changing that may just change forever. I think COVID, I don't know if it changed much, but it accelerated a lot. I think that's the way we kind of looked at COVID and it, it provided this excuse to speed up a lot of changes that we already saw happening. And I mean, there's no doubt that as an industry, we have to embrace change. Um, and we've done that. And, and obviously, Donna, you've seen it firsthand from, from you know, a successful career of running the price company and you guys have done a great job of always kind of staying a leader as, as other companies have kind of come and gone. And, um, and the way you do that is that you have to not just be in a, innovative, but you have to embrace that change. And I think that it's pretty clear that there's going to be a heavy dose of AI technology and kind of adjusting how our, what have historically been on-site job functions will now start to shift into what could be off-site or regional or virtual. I know a few companies, I know Scion did a really nice job of rolling out a, a consolidated national leasing center and, and, and kudos to those, to those guys for kind of being innovative and, and taking a risk there to, you know, kind of ahead of the curve. But I think that that you'll start seeing that more broadly um, because we have the technology and we have the ability to, to train people. And it all comes down to, can we deliver what the resident wants. That's all we do in our business and we think about, right? So we don't start with, should we make a bunch of changes? We start with the resident in mind and say, you know, does the resident want a more heavy focused digital experience? Does the resident want a more video or virtual focus? And, and we have found the answer to be yes. And I think that a lot of what we were required to roll out in COVID to, to still interact with those residents 
we saw those things coming. And, and again, we just felt like it accelerated that. And I think that you're going to see that more and more and, and it'll become industry norm, you know, much sooner than we were probably expecting pre-COVID. Well, you know, it's sort of that, you know, you asked a great question and that, that is, what is, what does the resident want? And um, one of the things that that's really good for what we do is that we do have a lot of students that work for us. So we, we do get that feedback and that's, that's really helpful. But, um, you know, it's like, so what we picked up last year was that we were going to do less touches, you know, during turn and during, and, and we found that, uh, that that worked, you know, really well. You know, if you think about it now, a lot of the hotels people come into, they do it with their, uh, their iPads and that sort of thing. And this generation is so adept at, at doing all that, that they don't really want a lot of interaction and conversation. See, with me, this scares me to death because normally I, bring, I still brought my big notebook. But the idea She's referring that, to her phone. That the idea that I would actually put my notes on this just scares me to death because I'm thinking, well, the battery goes up. When I first came in here, it didn't download and all this. Well, you know, this group is so far ahead of us. And so, like, like we were doing a, a site tour this morning. We are looking at doing a, a development here. And, we're, and, and so the question was, well, is it important to see when they come into the leasing office, should you have somebody sitting there in the front of the leasing office? And I'm thinking, well, yeah, of course, because you always want somebody to greet you, right? Then I start thinking, but wait a minute. I don't know if these students really do. They may prefer that it was, yeah. you know, that they've already planned the, the thing on their phone. You know, they've done all those things. So part of it is our, our that that's a hard thing to, 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 to do is to figure out what it is they do value, um, you know, and take it from there. But, but basically, I think the technology is going to be the uh, the secret, you know, just, you know, so many different things like the, the, um, the Calendy, which is an app, but there's tons of these apps that, you know, so the students, they, they go ahead and they, they set up their own tours. You know, we all know we get that the virtual tours, your websites need to be, you know, um, very um, user-friendly. Um, and if you think about that, when you go, like, like I, everybody loves Amazon, everybody loves PayPal and all those kinds of things, because it's one touch, it knows your fingertip, right? I don't have to remember what my credit card things are and all that. And making sure that, that, that like, our websites were not, we weren't trying to impress anybody with it, but that we make that experience user-friendly so they don't, you know, it's not that speed bump that makes them say, ah, oh, I'm having trouble, let me go look at something else. But to figure out those things. But again, all these apps like the, the and, and third-party vendors, the, the, you know, the print with me, um, you know, the, the um, there's just so many uh, spruce, you know, spruce, sprucing up. I mean, there's just so many of these different apps and third-party groups that are coming in that can really... As you say, we always talk about, you know, the front office and the back office. You're wanting the front office to be fun, but the back office to be something you can measure, right? Mm -hmm. and, um, and there are all these tools now that we have at our fingertips to be able to do that. That that's, I think, really exciting. I think what Lauren and I just realized was no one paid us to pump up their product like they did Donna. And Donna's just like this app and this vendor, and you know she's got you know you know she was sponsored on this. Yeah. And I'm I'm thinking no one emailed me and said, hey, if you say print with me, you know I'll cut you a deal. So I don't know, Lauren. I don't know if you're about to pump anyone up here. But well, if any of you're here, I will take yeah. a check, yeah. <laughs> cash, anything. Uh, I'm not. I'm going to do the opposite. And I want to thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to be the old curmudgeon. So I. I we all know the one constant is change, but at the same time, I think the fundamentals are from you know post COVID are really really close to the yeah. fundamentals um, pre uh, pre COVID, and so if I look at you know what we experienced, um, well we saw some differences in in our customer behavior, 
um, from market to market, but that was primarily driven by the local municipality or the university kind of policy making and decision making. And so we didn't see concrete evidence of our customer really changing what they want that we think will be long lasting. And so our, our approach um, to the business right now is, uh, is steady. And you know, so there are, there are no radical changes that we're making from an investment thesis perspective, from a, really a product design perspective, or from an operational perspective because of COVID. And so sure, the, our customers you know, loves tech, totally get that, but we also think they crave relationship and we think they crave community. And so while I think that our operations will be enhanced by technology and some of the, you know, maybe AI or some of these things, at the end of the day, we are trying to build community and and, and a space where our customer can build relationships and connect. And we think that our site team is absolutely instrumental to that and has been and will continue to be. And just a shout out to our to, you know, any of the Trentos staff that are listening, they, they just did a tremendous job of that during COVID and uh, under extremely difficult circumstances. And I'm, I can't say enough how proud I am of how they did that, um, even with masks on their face. It's like, yeah. how do you engage with the customer when, you know, you know they, everyone's wearing masks and there's plexiglass and, you know, space requirements, all this stuff. They remained focused on that, on that, um, on that mission of engaging with the customer and trying to build a relationship and create a sense of community. And I think at the end of the day, the companies that do that are going to be the companies that experience the greatest level of success. Yep, I, I agree with Lauren. I think that's. I mean, obviously, that what an awesome shout out. And, and I know your team members um, listening. That's going to feel good. And, and I think speaks to your character and your heart for your team members, which is awesome. I think I, I agree with you on the relationship side, and that's that's where I see technology actually helping that. I think that we are an industry, and maybe even just people, we're just freaking cursed with busyness, just busy, you know. And I think if you look at this kind of concept of like, what is it that only our on-site teams can do, and start with that, and kind of work back, what we find is. We just have all this bullshit that's stacked up on top of them. And, and the way we we address technology, which I hope is the right way, I think the wrong way is, you know, how many jobs can we cut? You know, that's that's a, like a really tough conversation and probably a pretty toxic one for your culture. But if, if you start with the conversation of what are you going to do with all these hours we give back to you via advanced technology, the answers are usually the right ones, which is, we're going to engage our residents more. You know, like Donna said, like the whole corporate support team, that's all they do is support one person whose job it is to engage the customer. That's it. Everything else we do is for that person. And if you say, okay, we're going to give you all your hours back so that you can actually engage that resident. It's like, that's awesome. Guess what else we can do? Train our team members better. You know, people are generally engaged and stay at a company. I think Donna, this was almost to your own culture of, People stay at companies in which there's opportunity and there's skill development, right? And so now we say, hey, manager, I think you actually do have a heart for your team. You've been so busy and trapped behind this computer that you've barely been able to do monthly check-ins and extra trainings and all this stuff we actually want to do. Well, now you can do that because we're, we're continuing to like make your jobs more efficient via advanced technology. And that's the things that we really like. It's not so much of a, 
the whole world's going to change and the on-site team's going to go, you know, go away, quote unquote. It's more of, we're going to actually let you do the things that matter, which is all people related, our resident and our team. And we're going to spend all that extra time on those two things. And I think that is a, a real positive for our industry if we can pull that off. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I think, <clears throat> you know, all the technology that was there before the pandemic is is still there. And, and I think we've learned how to, to, you know, to use it better. I think we've used, I think the the prospects have certainly gotten more comfortable with it. Not that they were uncomfortable with it before, but as far as on a, on a larger scale, um, you know, I think they've gotten more comfortable with it. I'm one of those guys that I, I never want to interact with somebody when I'm buying something like Amazon's been the greatest thing for me. But when it comes to, you know, a place I'm going to choose to live, like, I, you know, this is just me personally, but I think there's certainly a lot of parents out there. I want to know that, you know, someone's, someone's behind that computer screen that, that cares about me and wants me to be there as much as I want to be there. And yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little concerned that, um, you know, some of our, some of our folks, you know, that, that have now gotten used to, you know, letting the, letting the website and the ILSs do a lot of the work that, you know, you know, do they, do they, are they still putting in their marketing budget to be on campus for, you know, for the housing fair? You know, is the university still going to be considering doing the housing fair? Cause I think we've got to have those things still. But you um, know, but, but if you think about your own experience, um, like if I'm doing an Airbnb, if I'm doing you know, one of these things, I don't necessarily need to talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want to be able to see pictures of it, understand sort of where it is and all that. But, um, um, and I'm, and you think you're old. I mean, I'm really old school. <laughs> and if I, if I still feel that way, then I got to feel like these, these young folks, um, by the time they get to our properties, they already know, you know, they've shopped it. They've, they've been on everybody's websites. They're very, very, you know, savvy. But you said one thing, Lauren, that, that I wanted to comment on, you know. <clears throat> Was it smart or dumb? It was brilliant. Oh, okay. <laughs> but 2019 was an aberrant year. And I don't think any of us want to change our business plans or change anything based on 2019. I mean, there's that old same statement, don't let a, a crisis go to waste. And I think that there's some good things we can pull out of it. But, I mean, it was just a turn on your head kind of a year. I mean, you know, for example, you know, core properties, um, those properties closest to campus always lease up first and, you know, they have the highest occupancies and the highest rent growth. This past year, uh, from our data points, from our properties, they had the um, worst, you know, the, the, uh, they were the poorest performers of, of the different categories. And the reason's simple. Why would you pay a premium to live next to a closed campus, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, so when we look at it, my thing on it is, is I think it's going to take a couple years for us to transition out of COVID. I mean, I think everybody's doing great now. We've, you know, our numbers are, are, are changing, are, you know, closing and, and we'll gaps close to what we, we were. But I still think that this has been a transition year. We've tried to figure out, We basically most of the properties were, you know, not anywhere close to the, the occupancies they had. And if you talk about like, you know, some of the folks that you've mentioned, they did a major, just dropped the rates at the beginning of the year. I mean, that was almost a national program. So I think this past year to a certain extent has been just a one that you throw in the wind and you just try to figure out how do we have that be a transition year. But I think we don't want to do a lot of, business planning changes based on 2019. I mean, I agree with you. I think that what kind of got us here is, is still is still good, sound business. Yeah. yeah. So 
we talked a little bit about vendors and, and you know this is kind of a good opportunity because there, there's a we've got a few in our audience and we've got uh, a lot to listen to this podcast and a lot um, that paid donna to apparently so <laughs> um so uh, you know going through going through this this past year and as you're seeing where things are headed over um you know the next you know five to ten years is there something that that uh, either services or, or actual products that vendors to to our industry need to get focused on need to to make better that you guys have encountered over this over this past year it's perfect perfect opportunity to give some critique well i'll go first and and i spoke with lauren probably a year ago and he was talking about some advancements in the in the development um, and construction space and i do think there's a lot of um, opportunity there for knowledgeable developers like Trinitas to work with the vendor industry to order in order to continue to make advancements, not just operations, but the actual construction side of our business. And I think there's a lot of room there for vendors. I know on the multifamily side, there's been a few groups who tried to kind of tackle rising um, construction costs that didn't work too well, but just because it didn't work didn't mean it was a bad idea. <laughs> so I, I do still think there's a lot of opportunity there um, Wes, I'll, I'll kind of like pre-prime and, and pump your, your round table. I found it really interesting, um, the recent decision on the, the NIL, which is the name, uh, image, and likeness in which we'll be able to start interacting with student athletes. And if you think about businesses that should be interested in that, it's going to be student housing operators to say, hey, we've, we've always kind of embraced this influencer business model on social media. And I know there's a few vendors that do that, but you know, now that's, that's going to really change a little bit. It's not just going to be the, the popular kid that has a million followers. I mean, you're going to have all these athletes now playing in the marketing space and, and our industry really needs to figure out how we're going to create that marketplace, if you will, and, and what that's going to look like. And then finally, I think there's got to be something that kind of connects the full resident experience. And right now, what I've seen is, so you have AI, which is a little choppy still. You have the automated tours and the self-guided tours, and that's still kind of choppy. And none of that's a great experience. And I think Don obviously called to some of the best, uh, you know, shopping experiences we have online. And that's just the simplicity the logical flow, you know, there's just so much that goes into consumer behavior. And I think the vendor partners that might help us the most are trying to figure out from, from text to lease, there's a lot that goes on that can really be disrupted by the technology side. And right now it just feels, it just feels clunky, even with the vendor. And, and, and that's not against any one vendor. I just don't think anyone's really put together that entire front end experience um, that would make that just an enjoyable, you know, shopping experience. So I think there's room there. Yeah, so th that's where our IT folks were saying, you know, to have, um, so you've got an app, you know, th that helps you, you know, for rent collection, you have, you know, for opening your doors, um, you know, for scheduling maintenance, um, you know, for all, all these various things. But we need um, something that kind of connects it um, and that, that manages all of that, and, and, and so they interact with one another as opposed to them being just one-offs? 
Yeah, this is a great question. And um, obviously, there's a lot of prop tech out there. There's so much prop tech so much. that I can't even keep track <laughs> of all the different potential <clears throat> tools that we could be considering. It's It literally is almost overwhelming. And so, and that's, most of those are, you know, startup or maybe late stage startup. And so there's going to be a lot that comes from that area over the next, you know, five and 10 years. And that'll be very interesting to see how that evolves. Um, but I'm going to plagiarize Alex's, I, I think, main point, And that is, I think the greatest opportunity comes from that relationship building and community building side, because you know, the real estate's important. It's super important. And, you know, having, you know, easy building access, um, that's convenient. So they don't have to carry keys. That's great. Having, you know, integrated, you know, um, maybe smart apartment technology. That's, that's great. But I think at the end of the day, the most important thing is that, is that sense of community and that relationship building. And I, and I'm, you know, there's, there is technology that's focusing on right that on that right now. And I think that's probably going to be the most impactful to what we do. I'm also skeptical about some of the prop tech and I'm, this is from my own personal experience of like, you know, I built the smart home and I'm now unwinding things that were in, built in integration <laughs> where it's hard to have one master solution that handles everything because yeah. you know, most, you know, most technology can't, it can't do everything well. And so one thing I think we have to be very careful of is kind of looking for that, you know, that panacea um, that ends up not yeah. being what we hoped it was. And then we end up damaging that customer experience because, you know, um, things didn't go well. So technology can be a blessing, um, but it can be a curse. It's, well. it's like what Donna said. You, you got locked out of your house because your phone died. You couldn't even get in the house, right? You know? Right. Well, just last <laughs> night, like we had storms roll through uh, at home last night and so um, my wife informed me that the lights were blinking in our house at uh, 11 p.m. Like all of the lights? All or? of the lights were blinking and um, our, my mother-in-law was going to be arriving to watch the kids this morning. So I spent an hour and a half last night rebooting our sm wonderful smart home system multiple times until I could you know, oh, wow. make the smart home smart again. So it's um, anyway. There's, there's a lot of opportunity there. It's going to be really cool to see how it evolves. Um, but at the end of the day, we got to deliver that yeah. holistic experience. Yeah. The, the, the prop tech just flood has just been crazy and, and good for all these startups and a lot of these entrepreneurs and innovators and just awesome, awesome to see what they're doing. But, you know, to your point, it's, it's, it's like death by option a little bit where you have nine people all this new startup pitching the same thing. And it's just, you know, I think the whole, and we know this from data is like the whole private equity world saw that there was this trillion dollar industry that no one really had cared about. And then it just flooded in. And I know a lot of people listening, maybe in this room or, or work for prop tech companies, but um, you know, it's almost like, don't take it personal that I haven't responded to your seven emails because like nine other people just like you also sent me seven. So it's like, it's really hard on the operations side um, to figure that out. And what a lot of the, the prop tech guys are doing and, and the vendors are going straight to the ownership groups or they're kind of working around. So you get this just like jumbly, you know, hard to manage uh, infrastructure, which I do think in our onsite teams who are listening probably feel this the most is, there's so many new technologies that are just like, hey, ownership group wants to use X, Y, Z, here you go. And it's like, 
there's no training. It's still kind of clunky and it's, it's creating some like short-term challenges. I agree with you, Warren, that over time, I think it's going to all work itself out and there's going to be clear winners in the prop tech space. And there's going to be stuff that our onsite teams like to use and make their lives better. But in the short term, it just feels like a lot, a lot for everyone up and down the chain to like know which prop techs to, to engage with and which vendors are, are ultimately going to win in this competition. Okay, great point. And technology is fragile, it, more fragile than, than dumb, dumb uh, tech or whatever the opposite of, <laughs> of smart tech is. And the other thing is you don't want to buy Betamax. Yeah. You don't want to build your property around Betamax and then find out that it was VHS that made it yeah. probably no one in this room is actually old enough to understand that analogy except for mark b <laughs> <laughs> you know you you want to you, you got to be careful that you don't pick a that's technology right. that's no longer supported you know two yeah. or three or five years down the road yeah. um, as well and i that but but um sales like to find people like me who are optimistic and know nothing <laughs> about it because you can sell it to me but uh, it's interesting to me that the people who are the least are the most uh, averse to, to technological change are our IT people because they understand. Yeah. they got to support you know, it. With, yeah. And all yeah. the issues exactly. that come with the boys. Yeah. You can give me a concept, and I'm like, yeah, let's go with this. So, so to move away from prop tech for a minute and talk about some other services because you guys are now playing in this game a little bit with Turnco and, you know, where you're kind of taking the, uh, you know, a lot of that hassle off of, the bidding process and, and finding the vendors and, uh, you know, you guys are supporting more than just the, the Cardinal properties with that. Any other type of, you know, I think of Valley Trash, you know, when that came out, everybody was like, oh, wow, this is a huge, yeah. you know, compliment to what we're doing. Are there things like that that you guys see? I think what I've seen over time is that the best vendor solutions were either in partner or incubated at an operating company. And that goes way back. You know, I was just talking to someone, they're like, well, we used to, you know, we were at this company and we owned court furniture. Mm -hmm. And then we like started it and we rolled it out. And you're like, oh, cool. And then we were at this company and we were at Archstone and we invented Yieldstar and then everyone wanted it. So we rolled it out. And I think that just speaks to the, the ability for an operator to like test and prove a product. And the best vendors know that, the on-site team who have to actually like play with it and break it and figure out how it works. That's the best customer, right? And they're going to actually make sure that you don't make a beta max. They're the ones who actually are going to like make sure it works. And so what I've seen, and, and obviously we have the turn company, which is a great example and in, in, in our partnership and the launch of agency 53, but we've always believed that operators make the best entrepreneurs in the space. And that's why you know, I, I've seen that and I've seen a lot of great products back to the e-supply days. I mean, there's been so many companies that have been kind of incubated at an operator and then rolled out. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think, and again, that doesn't have to be that way, but if you're a vendor who wants to go at it alone and then get us to buy in, I think it's, it's a little tougher road versus saying, I partnered with this group or I partnered with the price company and they were, you know, they helped us create this product. That as a competitor to the price company actually gives me a lot of confidence. I'm like, great, Donna's team's already, you know, tinkered with it and figured it out and figured out all the reasons it, it sucks and it's broken and they helped fix it. That helps. So I like, you know, I like to either be a part of it myself or know one of our competitors that we respect has done the same thing. Yeah. It, any other ideas on the other things that could be, could be added as far as kind of value add services that maybe we haven't 
invented yet or it's going to be an explosion i mean so? it just you know you think of how fast changes are coming up and all the things that are happening i mean we we um you know this it's just happening very very quickly well guys this has been great i appreciate it but all all good things must come to an end and i've got round tables to get to <laughs> and um but i i truly do appreciate the the time that you guys put aside for this the only other question i've got is for for our, our other carolinian here there was a a snake a, a cobra that was loose in raleigh i just want to know was it in your neighborhood <laughs> and is everybody safe are there any animals miss any pets missing or anything like that no but we have lots of copperheads lots of copperheads i, I I'd probably, at least with a cobra, you know it's it's about to spit in your face. Versus a copperhead is, uh, I, I had a had a dog that was bit by a copperhead one time, and it was not fun. So. This is a, this, this is a big year for snakes. I mean, this is I mean they're very plentiful. Interesting, interesting. Well, guys, thanks so much again for for being a part of this, and we'll make sure that in the podcast notes we've got links to your emails and everything, so folks can can send you more emails on prop tech stuff that <laughs> you could go through later well thanks, guys Ross. thanks so much and to our audience here thanks for joining us as well thanks thanks well there you have it just like we said in the intro i think that is uh i think that's a fantastic interview with some fantastic perspectives and just want to thank you know each of those guys, Alex, Donna, Lauren, for uh, giving up you know so much of your time to do that at the conference. Um, that conference takes up a lot of time, so being able to to put something aside to to speak with us and with our audience, I'm just eternally grateful for. So let's talk about takeaways. You want to go first? Sure. So one of the things, like I said, this was something that we had discussed pre-panel once I realized it. And so I was excited when I saw that it was coming up on here as well. And so it's obviously been at the forefront of everybody's minds. Um, And it really was about the salaries. And, you know, like I said, you and I have discussed a lot of the business practices surrounding employees, retention, just all of this, this overall arching subject. And we've continued to discuss it for years. And as it pertains directly to salaries, you know how I feel about this, that as far as salaries are concerned, you know that I'm obsessive when it comes to research, that they, they aren't high enough. And especially on the front line. And as we went through, and this was something that I discussed with the people that I had the conversation with for my panel, that the starting salaries for a lot of the frontline team members just flat out aren't high enough, especially for each individual market that a lot of our properties are actually in. And that, you know, for every property that we were taking over, any property that we were going into, that they weren't, they just, they weren't livable. And it was, you know, you can do a cost of living analysis for every single one. Every single market has a separate cost of living and that we need to be doing better. And it wasn't just that it's, you know, it's the benefits and how much are the benefits costing and really being more honest about that and taking this into consideration when we're, you know, doing those opening budgets, it's, it's so many things. And so I was so happy that that became a part of that conversation conversation and that it's it's 
being looked at critically and that I really do hope that the right people are taking notice and recognizing that if you want that top tier talent that we are and you want that retention, you want people to come in, you want people to stay, we are going to have to be doing better. People are going to be demanding more as they should, in my opinion. Well, and I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, we've got the NMHC Student Housing Conference coming up in um, uh, here in the next week, October 4th through 6th, I think it is. Um, and uh, we just, the previous podcast of this one was was talking with the guys from NMHC about what's ahead. And, and one of the things that they pointed out that they're, they're now doing on uh, an every other year basis, but it is that uh, it is that expense analysis of what's happening in the industry across all of their members and their properties. And it's all purpose-built student housing. There's no on-campus mixed in with it or, or shadow market stuff mixed in with it. And, and so I'm looking forward to, now these will be the expense numbers from calendar year 2019. And so I'm looking forward to seeing that and how that compares with you know the previous cycle that they would have analyzed would have been 2017 calendar year. And, you know, did those go up? Those go up, you know, in proportion to do the rent increases that, you know, have certainly have certainly in most markets, there's been significant rent growth between 2017 and 2019. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we should hold on to that and come back. And once that report comes out, let's compare it with the previous and, and see what's happened there. I do think that there is also there's an expectation that goes along with 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 paying higher salaries, and I think that's you know there's one thing if paying higher salaries because you're you're not paying enough for the position, and, and you know I'm also kind of wondering how that relates to the quality of candidates that you're looking at as well, and. Yeah, well, I think that's that's something to consider as well because you know you, you may find some if you get a higher quality candidate, you may end up you know finding some other efficiencies that you didn't realize that you had, um, and so that that's another reason I think it's really important before you know you bake in a you know any underwriting on the payroll is really understand what that staff is is comprised of and, and what what's their experiences what you know not not just how long they've been in the business but you know what did they do outside of the business or outside of the industry so anyway yeah let's let's talk about that in a few weeks if, absolutely because uh, there's i mean you know that there's a lot more to it and it's it's a bigger it's absolutely a bigger conversation than we can even fit right here in this little conversation anyway yeah yeah so I think, you know, one of the big things that stood out to me uh, there in that last part was about the, the the industry providers. And and this is something I've been thinking a lot about because we work with, on, on the consulting side of my business, I work with a lot of service providers, tech prop companies that, or, excuse me, prop tech companies that, um, you know, they're... They're, they're coming and saying, look, we've got this that has worked for multifamily or it's worked for short-term rentals or it's worked for senior housing. We think there's a way for it to work with student housing. Can you, can you help us come up with better messaging for student housing? Can you help us 
you know, change up the product or the service so that it better fits with student housing. So, you know, we've had, um, we've had a lot of success with that and, um, and honestly thinking about creating a, some type of incubator service within SHI, um, or incubator program within, within SHI. So, uh, be on the lookout for that. But, you know, what Alex said about partner with one of, you know, with one of these student housing groups and, and really, you know, kind of run the races on, on, you know, how well this is going to work. And that will be, that will be something, you know, when you, when you turn around and you take it to other, to other student housing providers and and you, you're able to explain, you know, that experience that you went with on a, you know, a, a pilot project or whatever with, you know, with another student housing operator that carries so much more weight. So that was, that was something that really stood out for me. Anything else? No, I think that's a really valuable point, but no, that was everything. Well, fantastic. Well, guys just wanted to, as I mentioned in the last podcast last week, there, there is some news coming. I don't have any more news than when I recorded that, but as it comes with conferences, Interface and France Media Student Housing Business are also doing another conference coming up this this late fall, I guess. December 6th is the fall. Yeah, it's still in the fall season. And that is the return of LeaseCon. But Hello. yeah, super excited <laughs> about that. For those of you that don't know anything about LeaseCon, it was started back in 2018 and gained a lot of momentum in 2019, but it's really focused in on a, an audience of, of property managers, leasing managers, portfolio or, or area type marketing people, folks that are in those positions. Uh, it's, it's to give them an opportunity, which was a huge need that we needed in this, uh, a need that we needed. <laughs> hey, I was with you. I'm here with you on that. It's fine. It was a huge need that this industry really had in order to bring those folks together and kind of talk about best practices and and also, you know, to be able to give those that are, are, are servicing that side of our industry an opportunity to, you know, network with, you know, with the folks that are in those positions because, you know, interface is not the right conference for those folks to go to. Um, yeah. it's just, I'd say uh, like it, it really gives you the tools that are necessary to have a successful lease up for it's really leasing and marketing focused and driven. And it's definitely for those onsite team members that are like air, like you said, regional and area below that gives you those ideas and research, all of that stuff that you need to really get you excited and amped. And from really like that industry wide experience and knowledge to get you revved up and ready to go with a ton of tools to walk away with that you can immediately implement on site and within a region or area to, you know, see immediate results. Yeah. And we've got, something else that, that we're adding to it. And <laughs> so just like there's a need on the leasing side, there's also a need for, for that same type of thing on the maintenance and facility side. And it was actually at Interface at a, at a dinner meeting. Uh, for those of you guys that, that don't know about Easy Turn, they've been a, a sponsor of ours and we've kind of been along with them with their journey of kind of incubating what they're doing. And so anyway, we were out at dinner uh, celebrating the fact that they had uh, picked up one of the innovator awards. And as I was having a conversation with, with Chase and Lincoln, they said, you know what, we really need to have a turn con. 
I've thought about that for a minute. I'm still not completely sold on that name. But they said, look, you know, we, we, we talked to a lot of managers, maintenance supervisors, and, and folks that are kind of in that regional or portfolio maintenance oversight position. And it's tough to get in front of those folks. And as we're talking to them, there's a lot of ideas that they have. Like They're like, hey, you should call so-and-so, maybe even in the same company. But, you know, if they're meeting with somebody on site and, you know, they hear something, either a problem or, or, or something, you know, that, that rings a bell with them because they heard it somewhere else. And they say, hey, you need to call so-and-so at such-and-such property or at such-and-such company because they had this problem. They were actually telling us about it, you know, and and they're kind of, you know, being that bridge maker between all these people. And, you know, Chase was just like, these, these folks need to come together and be able to talk to each other and talk about best practices. And so I brought that up with, with Rich Kelly over at, at Student Housing Business and said, look, we need to really think about doing this type of conference as well. So here it is. We're doing that same conference at the same time. So we're going to actually have both of these conferences going on simultaneously and, and there will be a shared exhibit hall. Um, we are looking at December, not looking, it's going to be the week of December 6th, the exact date. Um, by the time this podcast comes out, we should know. Um, you can go to our website at studenthousinginsight.com to get that information. You can also go to studenthousingbusiness.com and, and get it there as well. Uh, registration will happen through uh, studenthousingbusiness.com. So just make sure that, and we'll provide a link on our website. So no matter where you go, we'll make sure that you can get to the registration site. But we're looking at, again, not looking. We are settled in on the week of December 6th. And I think that's a perfect time because it's typically after final exams are over and, and everything from a campus perspective is really winding down. And it's, uh, you know, it's not in the height of holiday season yet. So uh, I think it's a, I think it's a perfect time to, to be able to step away from the office if you're, if you're on site and certainly if you're in those, those support roles, it's a, it's a fantastic time to, to be able to do, do that, I think. So, so be looking for more information on that. Again, it's, it's LeaseCon and TurnCon being combined and it's going to be in Dallas, Texas, the week of December 6th. Dallas, Texas is a good place to be, too, that time of the year. It's typically not too cold. Too cold, yeah. No, I think it's a great time because it gives you the perfect opportunity right before spring semester to be able to get everything figured out and executed in time before the students come back and have a really strong spring semester lease up for anyone that still has those leases to capture or has that second semester strong leasing season. So I think it's ideal. I think it's a great time. Yeah, uh, we were doing it. I say we student housing business was doing it in September and that was really just to try to try to get it in before, you know, everyone finalized their marketing plans. But I mean, I'm telling you, I don't, I don't know how it has been for you this year, but as soon as students were moved in, we were, you know, going through the marketing plan and it, it's just like, it just doesn't stop anymore. Does it? 
No. And I think that that's the other thing too, the way that things have been going with, like you said, and I know that we're trying to head this towards a stopping point, but for everybody that's still here, uh, I think that what we're looking at is we expected this year, everything to go back to normal and we don't know how things are going to go. We don't know how things are going to be at the end of this semester. And with that, that means that there might still be another pivot point. And so having that opportunity to be like, okay, what might we need at that point? It's another reason why it's a great opportunity to be able to have that brainstorming and fresh ideas and new perspectives. So there's a lot of reasons why it's great timing, in my opinion, truly. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Again, you guys can find out more information at studenthouseandinsight.com. We'll make sure we have the appropriate registration links there for you. And uh, can't wait to see you guys there. We are uh, both a platinum sponsor and a media partner on this. And so we uh, will definitely definitely be there and looking forward to meeting some of you guys that maybe we haven't been able to meet face-to-face yet. No kidding. Yay. Well, Greta, thanks for joining today. Absolutely. Guys, take care and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.